You're listening to Connection Church's podcast. Well, good morning, church. Hope you're good. Um, excited about this morning and starting a new series called Promises. Um, we're going to be looking at several different promises that we find in Scripture, um, several different promises that God gives us um, as, in His Word that we can hold on to, that we can cling to um, and believe in, and, and that it can be a rock under our feet during times when things are, seem to be shaking um, and maybe our faith seems to be weak. These are promises we can hold on to. And so today we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, a popular verse. Uh, many of you I'm sure have heard it and probably um, maybe have memorized it. Um, but uh, verse 17, that he was in Christ as a new creation, the old is gone and the new has come, um, is the verse that we're going to be looking at. Uh, before we jump in though, I do want to make one announcement for you. Uh, this is to announce that we have a, a trip that is 12 people who are going to Romania this summer. And you've heard a little bit about this before if you've been here, but um, they're actually selling t-shirts as a fundraiser, not to support their trip. Um, all the money that we raise here through the church is gonna go straight to the missions over there, to the, the ministry over there. And our focus as a church, a big part of what we're going to be doing is investing in a girl's home. The orphanages over there um, many times are full of all kinds of abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, and these people are going and creating a home for these girls that they can come and be safe and be told about the love of Christ and experience the love of Jesus. And so if you're interested in buying one of these t-shirts, you can see um, Stacy Thompson at the Next Steps table. They'd love to talk with you and tell you more about the trip, um, get, get you a t-shirt. The t-shirts are $20. Um, out of the $20, $13 is going towards the, um, the missions, towards the ministry, and the other seven is paying for the shirt. And so um, it's a great opportunity to be able to invest a lot into these folks, and so we want to do that. So if you're interested in that, you can check that out um, after the service at our Next Steps table. All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's read verses, let's actually start in verse 17, and we'll go through verse 21. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is the Apostle Paul who's writing to a church in Corinth. He says that, and, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling to the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now let's pray. God, thank you for your word. God, here we are before you, Lord, and we need you. We need you to touch our hearts and touch our lives. God, um, what we need is beyond us and beyond others around us. What we need is only given by you. And so would you pour out your grace, your unconditional love and unconditional favor on our life this morning? Would you invade our hearts and do what only you can do? Will you change our hearts, Lord? Do a great work in us, God, and do a great work through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, April 1st of 2000 was a big day for me. 
Um, April 1st of 2000, if you've been around here long, you may have heard me reference this before, but April 1st of 2000 was the day of salvation for me. It was the day that my heart was given over to Jesus and I made a decision to follow him. Um, and so I, I've told you this before, I don't know the significance of my salvation happening on April Fool's Day. I'm not 100% sure what that means, but I'm hoping that it does not mean that I get to heaven and God's like, tricked you, you know, but, um, but anyway, I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, April 1st of 2000 was a huge day for me. And, and I can remember that day. And for, for those of you who've been, are a Christian, uh, whether you've been a Christian for um, six months or you know, 60 years, here's the thing that I realized is that uh, that day of salvation is, is a special day. It's a special time for those of us who, who can remember that moment. It's, it's very incredible. Um, it's also a special time um, for us because when we come to Christ, we can feel the, the weight, it seems like the weight of the world lift off of our shoulders. And it's a sweetness of grace that we experience, this unconditional love in our lives. And so we experience this and, and something begins to happen in us. And I remember that happening to me on April 1st of 2000. I remember sensing um, something's different in me. Something is really different. I couldn't have put words to it. All I could tell you was I wasn't the same. Something had changed. And, and I was even talking with some guys that night and they were like, come on, Brandon, you know good and well, you know, you're gonna end up being just back to your old self. Things might've changed, but they haven't changed forever. You know you're gonna end up being more like yourself. First of all, I was like, thanks for the encouragement. Um, second of all, I, all I could tell them was I knew I was different. I knew something had changed. I knew there was something going on in my heart and in my life that meant that, that everything was going to be different from that moment on. And what that is, is that's God, how God works through salvation. The Bible tells us and promises us that when we come to Christ, that his spirit comes to live in us and his spirit gives us a new heart, which gives us a desire for new things. And so we literally become a new creation. The old is gone. Our past is gone. Um, who we were is gone. And we begin to be created into someone new. Now, this verse that we looked at is exactly, is exactly what it's talking about. It's talking about that we become a new person. God begins to create us to be new. It doesn't mean that we become perfect. It doesn't mean we no longer have issues, no longer have difficult days. It doesn't mean we no longer have temptation. It doesn't mean any of that. It means that from that moment on though, um, God has made us someone new. God is, is working in our heart and we continue to grow and become someone new for the rest of our lives. And so this is what God does. And, and, and when we think about this creation, sometimes it's helpful for me to think about when God created everything at the original creation in order for me to understand what God's done for me in the recreation of my life, of my heart, of, of who I am. And I want you to look at this in Genesis chapter one real quick. Uh, it's in Genesis chapter one, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I realize that there's probably people here who even reading that first verse, you have some doubts about it. You wonder, did God really create this? I mean, we're bombarded with, with uh, information now that says that there was no creator. But I'd like for you to think about this because is it not interesting that Satan would attack the very first verse of the Bible? And if he can attack this very first verse and cast the shadow of doubt over the very first verse, what does it do to the rest of scripture? It puts a doubt over the rest of scripture. But when we come to this and we realize that it's truth, then we can begin to trust God's word. But when he says that he created, 
the heavens and the earth, the best thing we can do is believe by faith that that is true. Not, not live according to what the world tells us, but understanding that there is a God, that there cannot be a creation without a creator. That there cannot be something without something having existed before it. Everything we see in all of creation was created by something, by someone, and that was God. He says, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now when you look at this text, I want you to compare it, I want you to think about it for a second, and comparing it to our life before Christ. If you're in Christ, this was true of you. If you're not in Christ, I meaning you haven't put your faith in Jesus, you haven't come to a saving relationship with Jesus, then this is still true of you. And so what we see is the very first thing he says about the earth was that it was formless. When you think about it being formless, I want you to think about it being without order, almost chaotic. I know for me, my life was not in any kind of order. It was almost like I was just going through life, just uh, drifting along, tossed to and fro by everything that came along my way, right? And so I realized that, that, that for me, um, there was no order in my life. There was no real meaning. He even says that it was formless and empty. When you think about empty, I want you to think about being void of meaning. I want you to think about it being void of purpose, void of life. It was just emptiness. And, and you know, here's the thing that we do is we'll try to find things to fill that emptiness. But in the reality, that emptiness still exists. We still can't satisfy ourselves. There's still a longing in our hearts that longs for more. And the reality of it is we're going to long for more until we come to the one who can truly satisfy that longing. The Bible says that God set eternity in the hearts of men. If God has set eternity, a longing for eternity, a longing for something that's eternal in our hearts, then how in the world can we ever think that something temporal would satisfy it? The only thing that's going to satisfy it is the eternal one, God. And so much of our life is spent empty. It says that darkness was over the surface of the deep, this darkness of, of, of a lack of life, of um, this, this being selfish, this deceit that, that lives in us, this darkness that lives in us. And darkness covers our life. There's no light in us. But when we come to Christ, light begins to come into our life. And here's the reality, for every single person in here, there's still dark corners of our hearts that the light of Christ needs to shine in. It's not that we don't have any darkness, um, any dark areas in our life. It doesn't mean there's not still sin in our life. What it means is that Jesus has put his light in us and as we grow in him, he begins to shine light on everything. As we surrender to him, he begins to shine his light on us. And so we see in this God working. It says that the spirit of God was hovering, hovering over the waters. When it's, it talks about the spirit of God, God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, God's spirit is the executive arm of, of the, the Trinity, of the, the, the people of God. Um, one, one God expressed in three people. The Holy Spirit is that third member of the Trinity that, that does the work of God here on earth. And he says that God was hovering over the earth. And I want you to think about this, that in your life, before you knew Christ, before you came to faith, the reality for you was that God's 
spirit was hovering over your life. God's spirit works in everyone's life, um, drawing us to Christ, moving in our hearts, trying to woo us to himself, um, trying to draw us to himself. And so we see that God's spirit was hovering over the face of the earth. And then God spoke, let there be light. And there was light. And I want you to see that this is the same thing that happens in our life when we come to faith in Jesus. It is as though scales fall from our eyes. It is as though in a moment our hearts are enlightened and we can see who Christ is. And in that moment we are recreated, filled with the Holy Spirit and given a new life. No longer void, no longer empty, no longer dark, but filled with the life of Christ and, and, and filled with life and filled with newness and set on a new path and a new direction to follow and to go in a different direction than what we have been going. And so that's what God does in our hearts. That's the new creation, giving us purpose, giving us life, taking us from spiritual death to spiritual life giving us a spiritual vitality. And then as we go through life, as we abide in Jesus, that life continues to work in us. But here's where I find the problem and where I see the problem at many times, is we can hear verse 17, that he who is in Christ is a new creation, the old is gone, the new is here. And here's the thing that I find is that I can believe that verse for somebody else. It's hard for me to believe that verse for me. And here's the reason why. I know me, right? How in the world could I still be me and that verse be true? How in the world do, do I have, uh, do the things that I do or think the things that I think and that verse still be true? And the one thing that I see that is so common in Christianity and is so common in our walk with Christ is we have a difficulty receiving the love of God. How would your life be different if the one thought, the one sentence that defined your life, that motivated your life was God loves me? How would your days be different? How would your life be different? How would the things you do be different? How would your thoughts be different if the one thing that captivated your heart was the sentence, God loves me? See, that sentence and becoming a new creation, it doesn't mean that you haven't failed. It doesn't mean that you haven't messed up. It doesn't mean that, that you uh, have become perfect. It just means that you're no longer defined by your failure. You're defined by Jesus's righteousness. And so you're able to walk free of the past. And see, here's the thing I know is that many of us live under the shame and guilt of our past. Some, for some of us, it's stuff that's happened 20 years ago. For some of us, it might've happened 30 minutes ago on the way to church as you fought with your spouse, right? I know nobody ever does that on the way to church, but just in case you did. For some of us, it's what we did last night. For some of us, it's what we did last week, last month, last year. But here's the reality for every single one of us. There is some amount of guilt and shame and condemnation that exists on us because of things that we have said or done in our past. And because of that, many of us don't walk in the freedom that Jesus calls us to walk in. 
Because of that, many of us struggle to live the life that Christ wants us to live. Because I believe this with all my heart. Until we're able to receive the love of God and receive um, this newness of life and walk in the truth that we have been made a new creation, believing the truth that we've been made a new creation, we'll never be able to live it out if we don't believe it is true. Until we can begin to see ourselves the way Jesus sees us, we'll never live the way Jesus has called us to live. Because we cannot live apart from receiving his love. We cannot live um, not walking in his love and continue to follow his path, continue to walk in his footsteps. We may discipline ourselves to get it right most of the time. We may discipline ourselves to to, to make ourselves look good on the outside, but I can tell you this, if we're not abiding in him and walking in his love, receiving his love, then we are going to be in a place where we do not live in the joy of the Lord. We have to have his love if we're going to do that. And I want you to see that love today. I want you to understand it. I want you to get it. I want you to really let it sink in today. Because God's love is two things. One, it is immense, it is huge, it is vast, but it is also very intense. Um, and so it is immense and intense all at the same time. I, I looked it up online, I was just curious about how many stars are in the sky. Like seriously, I thought it'd be quicker than counting them. So I just looked it up online. And there are 200 billion stars just in the Milky Way galaxy. 200 billion, and yet God put them all in place. He knows their name. He gave them to us so that we could see them, so that we could be in awe of God, so that we could be wowed by God, so that we could walk out at night, look up at the sky and go, there is a creator, um, to see who he is and to get a general understanding of his love. But then I thought about it down smaller, and I thought about the verse that says that God knows the number of hairs on our head, that he's aware of that. And so I looked it up and I was like, I wonder how many hairs are on my head. And so I looked it up and it says that there are between 90 and 150,000 hairs on uh, the average person's head. I realize some of you don't have near that many. <laughs> but for the rest of us, there's between 90 and 150,000 hairs on your head. There's also five, I don't know why I'm telling you this, there's five million hair follicles on the average male. The woman has many hundred thousand less than the male, which I was kind of like, duh, we knew that, right? Just go to the beach, you can tell. And it's like, we understand that. But the reality of it is, I want you to see in the stars and I want you to see down to the number of hairs on our head, the immensity and the intensity of God's love for you even down to the very cells of our body, how God created them and put them together and orchestrated them to work together, how intense his love and his desire is for us, his design is for us. And I want that love to sink in. I want his grace to, to overwhelm you. I want you to be able to be wowed by his grace. That's one of the things about the apostle Paul is he walked in, in awe of God. And it drove him, it motivated him. And we become a new creation, seeing the reality of Jesus and seeing who he is. Then what begins to happen is we begin to be once again awed by God and who he is. And today I want you to be in awe of the love of Jesus and the power of who he is and the power of, of his grace in your life. How big it is and how intense it is. 
See, here's the awesome thing about it. As big as it is, as immense as it is, it is able, as we sang earlier, to cover our sin. No matter how big our sin, his grace is bigger. And we need to be thankful for that. But he's also, his love so intense that it penetrates our heart like a laser. And he can transform us from the inside out as he transforms our heart and gives us a new heart. But we've got to receive this. This is something that we can't just believe in theory. If we're going to believe this promise, we've got to believe it and receive it in, 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 as a fact about our life. And for me to tell you that is almost really hypocritical because I can tell you that my biggest struggle in life is to receive love. It's to receive love, especially when it comes to the love of God. I can believe it for you. I can tell you how gifted you are. I can tell you how, how God loves you. I can tell you how his grace is in your life. I can tell you about his mercy. I can tell you all of these great things about God, but, but then when it comes to me, I have a struggle, a difficult time believing it. And I find that to be true for so many Christians today. Now there's some in here today that you think I don't really need it. And you're probably to be the most pity because every one of us need this in our life. Every one of us need a savior who, who comes to us in love and grace to transform us, to give us new life. But the thing that we need to see is we need to receive it. Most of us walk through life as if we're walking through life and, and as almost like we're a cup, a, a, a cup that, that you would pour water or something into. I remember my granddaddy um, growing up he had this cup and it had different colored stripes on it going up the, the side of the cup. And my granddaddy would um, have his tea at lunch or dinner and he would sit there and when he got low on tea, he would rattle his cup and my grandmother would get up, go get the tea pitcher, come to his cup and say, which line would you like me to pour it to? And he'd just say, red line. And she poured the tea to the red line. I would say those are very different days than what we live in today. If I tried that, I would be wearing the tea, you know? It just wouldn't work. But, you know, she would come and fill up his cup and, it, and it really it was, um, she loved him so much and, and he loved her and it was just a different relationship than what so many have today or what um, we would think of as even being okay today. But the reality of it was that, that she would come and fill up the teacup and and uh, take care of him and that kind of thing. Most of us though, we walk around like a cup, like a cup that but we put our hand over the top of it so that God's trying to pour in, but we don't receive what he's trying to pour in. And so we're literally walking, not receiving what God wants us to have. And here's the thing that I understand is when you look at this verse and you think about this and you hear that God loves you, it can seem like a soft message. It can seem like it's, um, you know, well, if we tell people that they can, that they're loved by God and his grace covers their sin, aren't they going to sin more? But in Romans chapter six, Paul refutes that. He says, by no means. We died to sin and now we're living to God. See, as God pours his love into your heart and you begin to live by the sentence, God loves me, what begins to happen is your life begins to be transformed. You will live how you want to live, but your desires begin to change. 
And I can tell you this, if you're in Christ and the Holy Spirit lives in you, when you do sin, there's going to be something in you that, that almost sickens you. That you know this isn't the way to life. This isn't how I should live. It convicts you. And then you begin to walk out of it. But and I want you to understand this and I want you to see this. That it is possible to be corrected without walking in condemnation. It's possible to be corrected without being condemned. And when God corrects us, it's because he loves us, not because he just wants to um, condemn us or, or slap us or hurt us, but because he does care. And so he corrects and he brings us back. And one of the main ways he does that is through God's word. It's how he works to correct and to train, but we don't have to walk in condemnation because we've been corrected. And I want you to see that. And today, one of the main things I want you to do is I want you to be able to walk in the freedom of God, of Jesus. But for many of us, what we're walking is, is, this, is the, the, the weight and the guilt of the condemnation that comes from sin. And we're not walking in this newness. We're not walking in the newness of life. We're walking in shame and we're walking in guilt and we're walking in the, the hurt and we're walking in the wound of things that we've done or things that have been done to us. But what I want you to hear today is that there is newness that comes from God. Look at verse 18. It says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So all of this is from who? It's from God. It's from God. He did this for us. I want you to think about this. God moved towards us when we were in our sin, in our worst state, God moved toward us. If he moved toward us when we were in our worst state, what does that mean when we've been made righteous in Christ? How much more will God move towards us as we cry out to him when we're made righteous in Jesus if he moved toward us when we were dead in our sin? And that's the good news of God, that he moves towards us. Even in our sin, he moved toward us. Doesn't give us the, 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 the license to go out and do what we wanna do, but it does give us the ability to come before God's throne boldly, to receive mercy and receive grace in our time of need. And here's the thing I want you to get to. I want you to understand there's not a person in here today who doesn't have areas of their heart that the light of God needs to shine into that are still dark, that are still there. And I want you to know that it's not impossible to walk in freedom from those things that are in the dark. And I wanna tell you how I believe that happens according to scripture. The very first thing that we have to do is come to a place of repentance. We have to come to a place of repentance. When we come to a place of repentance, it means we leave our sin behind and we move towards God. We, we leave our sin behind us and we move towards Jesus. We move towards following him. It means that we finally come to a place where we leave it and we turn and we go the other direction. 
Uh, and, and I want you to understand that who you turn to is just as important as what you turn from. To turn from sin to nothing, you're going to end up back in the same place. But if you turn from sin to God, then you found someone and something that's so much greater than the sin that he leads you away from it and you can continue to follow him. But I'll tell you this, you cannot follow Jesus and pursue sin at the same time. So if there's something in your life that you're pursuing that you know is not of God, then you can't say I'm following Jesus because the two can't happen at the same time because they're two opposite directions. The first thing we have to do is repent of our sin, turn from our sin. The second thing that we need to do is confess our sin. We need to confess it. I'll be honest with you, this is one of the most difficult parts but we need to bring it into the light. And there's two parts to this. One, we need to find somebody that we can confide in, that we can talk to, and we need to share what's going on in our life. Because what it does is it brings it out into the light and it shines the light of God on it so that it can no longer live in darkness. That's where our sin, that's where our guilt, that's where our shame love to live. But we bring it into the light, it can no longer live, it's killed by the light of God. The second part of this is if we've wronged someone, we need to make it right. And for some of us, this is gonna be very difficult. For some of us, it's gonna take the power of God to do this. But I'm telling you, this is a huge part of us walking in the freedom of Jesus. Is number one, repentance, but number two, confession. Being able to get it out of us. It festers on the inside unless we're able to bring it out into the open and confess it with someone that we can, we can confide in, that we can trust. The last part is we have to receive. So we've gotta repent, we've gotta confess, and we've gotta receive God's word and God's truth and who God is. And when we receive it, it becomes a part of who we are. We say yes to God and God fills us to overflowing with his love and his grace and his power. And then the most amazing thing begins to happen, as he says here in, in, in Scripture. He says that all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though we were making his appeal, or he was making his appeal through us. See, when we come into the light and we begin to walk in the light, God begins to use us to proclaim this same message. God begins us to be ministers of reconciliation as God was reconciling us. But the first step is we've got to be able to get to a place where we are willing to receive God's grace. We're willing to walk in God's love. We're willing to walk in who he is and become who he is wanting us to become. And it's available for us. But are we willing to walk in it? It's difficult for, for a lot of people to do that. I was talking with a friend of mine and she was, had been talking with someone and, and they kept just telling her, there's no way that God can just forgive my sins. There's no way that God can just forgive my sins. There's no way he can just forgive me. And she asked, this, this lady asked me, what should I tell her? I said, you should tell her she's exactly right. That God can't just forgive your sins. That's impossible. And she said, well, why? 
I mean, why, what is it that makes it impossible? It's because God's not only love, he's not only good, he's not only um, merciful, he's also righteous and he's also just. And so God can't just say, hey, just forget about that. It's no big deal. It's a big deal to God. It's also a big deal that God gave his son so that we could be forgiven. It's also a big deal that God made, had his son come to earth, that Jesus willingly came to earth, lived a perfect life we couldn't live, died the death that we should have died, took the punishment that we should have taken, and overcame sin and death for us so that his grace could come into our life. And that's the good news of the gospel, is that we can experience that. Just exactly what verse 21 tells us. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God made Jesus to be the sin so that we could become his righteousness. And that's the good news. And I want us to be a people that can walk in that, who walk in it and then extend it to others. That's what God calls us to. It all happens when we come to faith in Christ. It all happens when we say yes to Jesus. It all happens when we realize our past is the past, realizing that when we come to faith in Christ, he draws a line in the sand and says, this is a new life that's begun. Your sin's now been separated as far as the east is from the west from you. Your past has been separated. Now walk in newness of life. Now leave, let, let it be the past and look forward to what I have in you. See, your past can't determine your future unless you let it. And we've gotta be willing to leave it behind, to repent, to confess, and to receive God's love and mercy. And I wonder if we're willing to do that today. I wonder if we're willing to walk in his ways today to walk in the newness of life, to become an ambassador for Christ. Because here's what I would say, I feel much like Paul, and I feel like this is God's heart for us today when he says in here that we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. It's a begging, it's a pleading, it's saying please, would you please consider this, would you please do this? And God puts it before all of us today, an opportunity to repent, to confess, and to receive his love and grace. And so that's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna take an opportunity, take time to be able to do that. So today, if you're here and you've never done this before, you've never experienced this newness of life, your heart's never been changed by God, you've never said yes to Jesus, then the opportunity is before you. If you're here today and your past haunts you, things that you've done cling to you and you just feel dirty, it's what our shame and guilt does to us. It makes us feel dirty, it makes us feel unworthy. And you need to leave that behind and today that can happen. And you have that opportunity. And I wanna know if you're here and today would be the day of salvation for you. Today would be your April 1st, 2000 where you come to know Christ and you give your life to him and you say yes to him forever. 
We want to celebrate that. We want to know that. We want you to take that step of faith. And the first step of faith is to acknowledge him and to say yes to Jesus. And if you want to do that right now, here's an opportunity for you to do that. What we want you to do is acknowledge, yes, I'm putting my faith in Christ. And I want, we want to know that so we can celebrate that. I want to ask you, if you're here and that's you today, I want you to just stick your hand up in the air. I want you to wave it up in the air and say, that's me. Today's the day that I'm coming to Christ. Jesus has called me. Got some in the back back there. Amen. Amen. Who else? Who else? Stick it up. So we just want to pray with you. We just want to pray with you. Amen. Never, never known Jesus. You've never known the sweetness of the grace that is Christ. And this is your opportunity. This is your chance. It's just, just recognizing God calling you and God nudging you and God pulling you and God drawing you. Where are you at? Raise your hand if we haven't prayed with you. Amen. Amen. We don't want to miss you. I'll be real honest with you. I realize today that I can't open your eyes. I can't preach a message that changes your heart. Only God can do that. If I were to be honest with you, I feel like I butchered this message two times today. I feel like, if I can be very frank, I feel like it sucked, just to be quite honest with you. But it's not about that. It's about what the Holy Spirit does in your heart. It's about the truth of God's word speaking to your heart. It's about the truth that if anyone's in Christ and you has come, the old has gone. It's about receiving that and walking in that. And this is what I know, I know this. There are people in here that right now you're walking in condemnation but you're in Christ. I want you to understand those two things do not go together. And I'm gonna take some crap for telling you that. I know I will. There will be people who say, well, what's wrong with that church? They talk about grace too much. But if it weren't for grace, where would we all be? So today, I'm just offering you another opportunity to experience that. In fact, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna ask you to move. Maybe you need to take that first step of repentance and you need to come down here and you need to say, Lord, I'm tired of the darkness in my heart. I'm tired of the things that go on in secret. I'm tired, I'm just tired. You need to come and you need to leave it here when you leave it here, you walk away from it and you walk into the arms of a God who loves you more than you will ever possibly imagine on this side of heaven. So if you need to come down here and 
talk to the Lord. Here's your opportunity. I'm going to pray while Chase plays and then he's going to sing. When I say amen, if you need to come to the front, you come on. And listen, don't worry about what the person to your left or right thinks. They need to be down here too, okay? Because we all do. So here's your opportunity. I want to pray. When I say amen, you move. Chase is going to sing. If you're not, if you don't come to the front, listen, you're dismissed to go. Have an awesome week. Let's leave quietly so that people praying can have their time with the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your heart for us and your grace in our lives. Lord, you move in our hearts and give us the courage to respond. Would you help us, God, with our repentance and our confession? God, our receiving of your love. Would you help us to walk in that, God, and live a life that's glorifying to you because of the way your love flows through us. Lord, we love you and thank you for Jesus. Thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for your heart for us. I pray, God, that you would open the eyes of the one who thinks they don't need this. Help them see their need for you right now. We love you and thank you for loving us in Jesus' name.